0: Everyone, welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast, or welcome back if you have been tuning in for a while. My name is Emily Elizabeth, and I am your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down in the studio with Allie Egan, and she is such a fun guest because this one really touches on a bit of business and building a company and scaling one, both in a corporate setting, as Allie had experience as former CEO of Cynthia rally but also in her own brand as she recently started her own company which we dive into and I want to add as a quick preface I've been using her skincare products ever since she gifted them and oh my gosh you guys I seriously switched over immediately I just felt a immediate difference in the skin I don't know how to explain it but I will say that it felt like my skin absorbed the products more than my typical skincare. So basically, I keep my face washed the same and everything like that, but I changed my serum and moisturizer to Veracity Self Care. So definitely check it out. There is a promo code as well, which is in the show notes and will be shared at the end of the episode. But before we dive in, a little bit more about Ali. Ali Egan created Veracity Self-Care as the next-generation beauty and wellness brand, empowering women to understand the connection between their skin and their broader health through at-home testing and a holistic, data-driven approach to skincare. Their products are at the forefront of clean performance, excluding all endocrine disruptors and safe for all life moments, including pregnancy and breastfeeding. Allie was also previously the CEO of the women's fashion brand, Cynthia Rally where she led the transformation to direct-to-consumer and more than doubled the business in two years. She has extensive experience in the beauty industry through her time at some of Estee Lauder's best brands, including Origins, Clinique, and Lamere. She also has broad consumer experience through her time as an investor. As always with my guests, I love to touch on multiple topics and the most impactful areas in their life. And I think for Ali, we were able to hit all the buckets, including her business and career background, as well as her personal story with how slash why she started Veracity, which heavily involves her personal experience with certain skincare hormonal imbalance, infertility, a lot of stuff that I'm excited for you gals to tune into. So with that being said, let's dive into the episode. Hey, Ali. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where'd you come from?
1: I'm so happy to be here. I came from my office, straight to you. (laughs) Got it.
0: Yeah, today is an on-the-go day, so I feel (laughs) you. Definitely. Well, I'm excited to chat with you. Um, I definitely feel like there's a lot of great topics for women listening to this podcast. So um, I want to give some context about you. I think that's always important to start with. And I know, you know, you went to Harvard Business School. You studied finance at University of Virginia, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Can you dive? into your background maybe even start like from your childhood like things that may have parlayed over into your career today.
1: Yeah, I, I've gotten the response before where people think I've, like, mapped everything out perfectly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, that, that doesn't, didn't happen <laughs> that way. Um, but no, I just grew up um, outside of Philadelphia and um, was really lucky to be able to go to the University of Virginia, um, studied uh, business and foreign affairs, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, didn't, like everyone else, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. So I um, took a job in finance, and and banking, because it was, you know, it was type A, and it was... The, <laughs> best thing that you could do. Um, and uh, through that experience, ended up stumbling my way um, into an opportunity on the investing side with a firm called El Catterton um, in the consumer retail world. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really fell in love with uh, working with brands and building brands and mm-hmm. sort of evolved in different ways um, from there, but uh, but was not always intentional. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you said you went into kind of like the finance and investment banking side. You know, what was the experience like that, especially back then as a female in that industry? You know, was it difficult? Was it like what's that environment like? I mean, I know it's a little different today, but I think it's um, I'm sure some of that experience really, you know, parlays over into, you know, the experience you had, you know, leading a company and then starting your own.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've lived different lives in my career. Um, You know, now my entire team is women, Mm -hmm. um, whereas I was one of the very few women. And I I found myself, I think culturally, we've changed so much over the last like 15 years even, Mm -hmm. where it wasn't acceptable for, um, you know, young women who wanted to be respected to like, really look and act the way that felt authentically them. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I think we're still making progress in that area. But I think I especially – I remember going to, like, Brooks Brothers because I thought <laughs> I had to, like, get, like, a perfect, like, Oxford button-up shirt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, now I wouldn't, like, be caught dead in that. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so you kind of, like, yeah. force yourself into an environment. And, um, and look, I learned a lot of good things, met a lot of good people, but um, was happy to sort of get out of that world at mm-hmm. the right time.
0: Yeah. How did – that impact your career trajectory starting out in the finance world. Because I can imagine, you know, having that skill set and knowing numbers, which is I don't want to be uh, generic, but I do think a lot of women prefer not to be, you know, you know, in the CFO position or looking at the finances, the Excel sheets, all of that. Right? It's yeah. like, oh my god, I'd rather be designing and being in the fashion and being creative. And look, I'm the same way. You know, <laughs> I'm a fashion type of girl. So, yeah. um, but how, like, do you see how that actually gave you a lot of strengths, like leading a company, because you are able to see it from that perspective as well? Yeah, I think
1: that everyone women and not women shouldn't yeah. be afraid of numbers like look you if you want to be successful you have to like know how the world works yeah. and and <laughs> it works through numbers and yeah. you know you don't have to be an expert at these things but having education in it it will just enable you to be better at your job even if you're mm-hmm. only um a social media marketer for example yeah. if you understand like what your boss's job is and what they're like managing to like you are going to be so much more set up to like kill it yourself. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, whatever training is right for for you personally in your industry, but Mm -hmm. having some, you know, real fundamental business background Mm -hmm. is like really essential, I think.
0: So I want to dive into leading up to becoming CEO of Cynthia Raleigh because I saw that you you kind of you you primarily had the invest, investment banking background mm-hmm. in terms of jobs and then uh, prior to that you were at Estee Lauder, right? Mm-hmm. So how did you jump from Estee Lauder being there for a few years in different roles and and then just be going to Cynthia Raleigh because I'm sure it's it's a different. do that would you say they usually try to pull internally instead or does it vary? What's that uh, process like? Yeah,
1: Cynthia was actually as a smaller company than people may think. Oh, um, nice. So, you know, it was a really great opportunity for me. I'd come from uh, – I when I was in the investing world, I was working with small consumer – smaller, cons- high-growth businesses. right? And I loved that um, because it was, like, really, like, going – you know, from growing 30% a year, like, hiring people, doing all this stuff. And then I went – um, when I went it, when I decided, I really I took a look at myself and I was like, i would I want to be on the other side of the table, not being an investor and advisor, but mm. really like a brand builder and a doer. Mm. And that's when I went to business school, like took a pause and mm. and started to say, like, how do I educate myself more in the areas of like, marketing, operations, these mm. other, you know, things that really, like, build a fundamental business, um, and got the opportunity to join Estee Lauder, which obviously was, like, an amazing company yeah. with such amazing brands, um, and loved it, I learned so much, so many smart people there, but fundamentally, it is still a, a huge company, and mm-hmm. and I reflected upon um You know my style and my preferences, and I love you know being given a challenge and then being able to see the fruits of my labor, Mm. and that's just much harder to do in a you know multi multi billion dollar company. Right. Um. And so I actually got connected to Cynthia, and uh, she. It was sort of, um. You know, I I think I'm like a nerd for um. Uh, how I built this podcast. Oh, which I love I... <laughs> that show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, he always, the guy Roz always asks, like, how much of your uh, life is is luck versus hard work, right? Yes. Yeah. And I do think so much of it, it's so both, right? It sure. is like you, your hard work enables you to be lucky in the right way. And so mm-hmm. I think that was the kind of situation there um, mm-hmm. where I, because I had this marketing background from S.A. Lauder and then like the business background, that's sort of what, um, what Cynthia was looking forward to help mm. build her business, especially in the more direct consumer e-commerce realm. Yeah. Um, and so was uh, able to, to join that business and, you know, sort of take her in a new direction, which was really fun.
0: Yeah. And you came in, at, I would argue, at the, one of the best times, right? Because that's right before the pandemic, right? Uh-huh. Um, or was that around 2018? 2018. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So two years prior. And so because especially I would say after 2020, everyone went, oh, we need to focus on E commerce, direct to consumer, yeah, right? Especially, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, in today's environment. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to jump back to Harvard Business School. You know, you said that you went there to really gain business experience and, and just understand like different parts of operations. Do you, let's say you weren't trying to be in the corporate ladder or, you know, becoming CEO of a corporate company and you were just doing your own business like you are now, do you think the skills you learned in business school is needed or is helpful towards starting your own business compared to being in the corporate world? That's such a hard question. (laughs) I
1: think the the truth is that uh, I get asked a lot, like should I do an MBA? And I think it's a highly personal decision, right? Because it depends. Like, there's it's nice that there's lots of different options now. You can go full time, you can go part time, you can go Mm -hmm. online, et cetera. Um, And it's it's like if I the best way I can think about it is you think about where you are, where you want to go, and where the potential gaps are, both Mm -hmm. from like a hard skills standpoint as well as from a leadership training and. I had um, part of my decision to go was um, if I went into industry, like, you know, at a company, I didn't want to just be a finance person. right? And and that was what I was trained to be. I knew that I could be more, but mm. I I didn't, you know, it didn't make sense to me to, to leave um, the investing world to just go do the same thing at a company. And mm. so that was part of it. But then the other part of it was I had had such amazing training in sort of the technicals of business, like mm. understanding how a P&L works, what drives them marketing success, how to think about a white space in a, in a consumer world. Um, but I honestly hadn't had a lot of training in like, what kind of leader do I want to be that time mm. to like reflect? And and for me going there full time was mm. um, some of those soft skills, uh, and I'm using air quotes, were <laughs> actually like s- something I come back to almost on like a weekly basis now. Oh.
0: So, okay. So, okay. For, I guess in your case, though, you would say it was worth it going to business school and. It was worth it for me, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine. Again, I ask that as I'm sure you can imagine because nowadays it's very hard to tell. um, Not necessarily if it's like worth it, but it is an investment. And so I think sometimes because there's such a high cost to it, a lot of people don't know if it's worth it in the terms of, is it necessary in in the ROI, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to give me the return on investment in getting me where I want to be in my career or where I foresee my future? And so I think I like to paint that picture for people from, from with people who had experience in that like yourself.
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell exactly. And I think you have to have a long term um, <laughs> mindset to yeah. it. Uh, but it's a good way. It's a, like smart of you to to frame it that way.
0: What about Key past experiences you had that enable, besides you know uh, what we talked about earlier, just business school and your finance background in general. What about your time at Estee Lauder and even other job experiences that you find that really shaped you to be ready? And like again, like you said, half lucky, half um, hard work, right? You know, how did you get into that position? You know, right time, right place.
1: thing you should definitely always, uh, I would like to remind like young women, especially is that no one is ever perfectly ready, right? If you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, even the CEO of S.A. Lauder doesn't know perfectly everything that, you know, he's supposed to do or eventually hopefully she's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's part of getting comfortable being uncomfortable is like how you grow as like a leader in, in your career. And then I think the other thing that, um, when I reflect upon a bunch of my experience, it gives you—is it? It gives you a bunch of data points to then have the confidence that you're going to be better equipped to make decisions. Mm. Like you know, I'm in a startup right now. We face thing. We're doing something totally novel, right? Right. And uh, so we face decisions and and. Um, and things all the time where there's not like a clear uh, this is what exactly what you should do. But I think my experience has led me to ask the right questions and it's all about asking the right questions to hopefully get to, you know, the the right answer.
0: So you talked about how you really impacted the direct-to-consumer side of Cynthia Rowley in terms of that growth. Mm. How did you like come in and realize, like, okay, this is the approach we need to take? And was it was it difficult coming in uh, not coming in internally, right like coming from another company? was you know was it hard to work with other executives in, in the company? Was it difficult to assimilate or, or were every was everyone kind of you know welcoming in that aspect and understanding the new leadership? Yeah. To
1: answer the second part of your question first, I uh, I was pleasantly surprised by how welcoming people were. Mm-hmm. It was something I was afraid about, um, you know, coming in from the outside and then being, you know, people's bosses who weren't necessarily <laughs> used to having that right. um, was a little scary. But I think everyone there really wanted what was best for the company. And, mm-hmm. and part of that is they wanted uh, – someone helping uh, set the the ship and the strategy and and um, putting everyone on the right direction so so that was a really pleasantly surprising experience mm-hmm. and and to answer the first part of your question how do we know I mean I think a little bit of it was like writing was on the wall of, okay. of um, this is the way of the future you can you know either uh, stay or course and right. and die slowly or adapt and adopt yeah. uh and i think uh, you know you look you look at like apple and um the iphone it basically made the ipod like mm-hmm. you know uh, uh extinct right right but that was their <laughs> own doing and yeah. so similarly i mean in a way less impactful way <laughs> um but but also it was being able to look at the actual fundamentals of the business and mm-hmm. um while it's really cool and sexy to be in you know bergdorf and Sachs and totally. all these things yeah. you look at the actual numbers and you're like we're losing money off yes. this business like yes. and so many brands apparel brands are in that situation, and mm-hmm. it's it's almost like an ego thing where you've worked these designers, especially, have worked so hard to get this like mm-hmm. huge like outward stamp of approval, and then it's like, but but what is it doing to your business? Actually, right. like hurting your business, right? Um, and Cynthia was like, because she has built up such an amazing brand mm-hmm. that we we had an audience and interest, and so it's like then we can take that and and create our own store digitally, yeah. And, um, otherwise, yeah,
0: yeah. So in terms of strategy, what was the first step or like first change you implemented for the business that really showed significant growth.
1: Well, the first thing we did was actually cut business. Like We cut ties oh. with some um, retailers where it wasn't a profitable business for us and we right. didn't see the path um, to profitability that way. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing we did was think about like our brand and storytelling and how we were doing that on our own store online and, mm-hmm. and think through the different channels of, of how people are coming to visit our website, what they're looking for, how we can make that customer journey, um, learning about the brand relearning about the brand and then mm-hmm. uh, it, looking at the clothes specifically, um, you know, to purchase. So it was right. really just thinking through those different customer journeys and channels and trying to optimize in each of those areas. And and we saw significant growth really quickly. Um, wow. So that was um, reassuring that we were making the right decisions there.
0: Did social media, because especially around 2018, that's like, I would say, a booming time for Instagram, you mm-hmm. know, did that have an impact on your direct-to-consumer side? And and was yeah. that like a strategy, like a new strategy implemented around that time frame as well?
1: Yes, definitely. We did a ton with social media. Uh, you know, again, we were really lucky to have a brand that people just wanted to be a part of, right? right. And that was part of making sure we were refreshing the brand and building what um, what Cynthia really was because I think there were some views that she was a little more like cutesy, like mm-hmm. d- dated, but like you know, she's like a very powerful, like, badass woman, mm-hmm. um, has a whole, like, surf line that's mm-hmm. totally authentic to her. When you think about this, like, emerging world of like authenticity and brands, like she was that. And so, you know, we thought about how do we like tell that story with um, our own social media and as well as, um, you know, with like um, influencers, which was like a much more like emerging category
0: at that Mm -hmm. time. So my question is, why would you leave while like you're at the top, so to speak, right? I mean, I think that's um, you know, of course, as well, myself included, you know, I, I have entrepreneurial tendencies. And I think no matter where I'm at at a, another company, I'll always have the tendency to want to work for myself and want that personal freedom. But I'm sure being in that position and you're doing well, um, it, it's a great spot to be in and financially. Uh, what were some of the thoughts going through your head besides the desire to to start what you started now, which we'll get into Um, What was kind of like that final thought of I I think it's time for me to move forward?
1: Yeah, well, it did start more from a place of what I w- felt like I had to do um, versus like leaving Cynthia behind or, or not wanting to do that. And mm-hmm. not, I can explain a little bit more. But, um, you know, when I had accepted the job at Cynthia, I'd, I'd been married for a little while. And, mm-hmm. and at that time, my husband and I were um, start trying to start our family mm-hmm. um, and uh, not having success Um and I ended up going through, you know, kind of a terrible infertility journey with, right. um, you know, a couple of miscarriages and IVF and the whole thing. And, mm. um, and you know, during that, I got diagnosed with um, Hashimoto's, which is a wow. uh, hormonal disorder, a form of hypothyroidism. Uh-huh. And... Not even immediately at the diagnosis, but only later through going through all this, you know, terrible, terrible stuff. Like, like I said, I had an ectopic pregnancy, and just like Mm -hmm. this whole like health journey, Mm -hmm. um, is I started like doing the research myself, and Mm -hmm. I was like digging into like what does this mean? Because I was just given like, oh, you have Hashimoto's, here's a pill, like, Mm -hmm. and then you'll be fine, Mm -hmm. um, and. And so I started doing the research myself, and I had found – I started reading these medical papers, and the first thing I found, a sign of Hashimoto's was, like, this dry, flaky skin. Mm -hmm. And that had actually started happening to me when I was in business school.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: it was this sort of, like, aha moment where it was like, oh, my goodness, like, my skin was giving me these signs of Mm -hmm. this underlying imbalance, and I didn't have, like – uh, here I had been working at like the biggest best beauty brand company in the world. Mm-hmm. I had seen a dermatologist when I started having this problem, right. And I wasn't even equipped to to understand like mm-hmm. what was going on. And so I had just, you know, sort of on the you know, nights and weekends started thinking through like, there has to be a better way. How can mm-hmm. and, and and talking to other women and and just hearing that like, My story was their story in just alternate forms, whether it be like PCOS or just – hormonal acne or whatever. There was just so many instances of um, women not being able to connect their, you know, their skin and their health in Mm -hmm. a real way. Um, And so I just started kind of thinking through what what we could do there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then quite honestly, I had um, a former um, colleague and friend who I confided in and and started like talking to him about this idea. And he um, encouraged me to pursue it and actually ended up being my first investor in the business. So mm. um, I think uh, the other thing I would say is I put it out in the world and started right. to get feedback. And that gave me the confidence that like, wow, I'm on to something real here.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. And I do want to dive into that part about your story as well, because I did read some of that, um, you know, the the part of the reason why you started Veracity in the first place, your personal experience with the skin and hormon- hormonal balance and just... Your approach to holistic health, as you were researching it yourself, um, what are what are your thoughts in terms of like looking back now? Because I take I I really like your story as well because my mom um, she had breast cancer years ago. Fortunately, she's recovered from all that. But that was always something that bothered me a bit was that there seems to be such a conventional approach mm-hmm. to things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I've had other people on my show that have overcome many similar, you know, forms of, you know, whether it's cancer or other diseases that went a holistic way. Yeah. And I love that because I think there it's not talked about enough and that there's a lot of people out there that will settle for just taking that pill or taking whatever it is and not saying that it can't work, but again, as I'm sure you probably agree, it's not one size fits all, right? Yeah. You know, so you know, what are your thoughts and, and just share like kind of the beginning journey.
1: Yeah, I we you really need to take what we call like a whole health approach to like skincare and and, and your overall care. Um and it's crazy we you know it's just it's not anyone's fault, but it's like how our society and medical system has evolved, where right. it's like, you go to this specialist, they are dermatologists, they are experts in skin, but they're really kind of like skin surgeons, if mm-hmm. you would, and that's how they're trained and And you go and you have a five minute appointment, mm-hmm. and you forget to tell them that like, oh, you're not only getting acne, but like you're getting these terrible period pains because this is a dermatologist, not yeah. an OBGYN, so yeah. like you don't even give them the doctor all <laughs> the information that maybe they should have in helping you um come to a solution but like look we have to get over i say this to my team all the time i'm like we have to get over the fact that there aren't easy answers Mm -hmm. and and really do the do the hard work and Mm -hmm. and understand like everything we are complicated amazing beings Mm -hmm. um but it's like by taking the time to understand your, um, your health from a holistic perspective, mm-hmm. um, you, can, you can really make such more, such impactful change that lasts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me and my skin issue, once I was able to understand the root, it all is about knowing the root cause, right? Mm-hmm. So once I was able to understand the root cause, mm-hmm. I was able to understand, okay, Hashimoto's has an inf- um, inflammatory uh, effect yeah. and uh, gluten can often impact mm. that. Mm -hmm. I stopped eating gluten, um, made some other uh, changes to thinking about how do I really actively work at balancing my hormones. Mm -hmm. And not only have I never had the skin problem again, but I actually was able to get off of my um, Synthroid medication, which is like my hypothyroid um, medication. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I kind of went on a rant there, but I think that like a holistic approach is the only way. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, why when when I started – um, thinking about veracity before I even decided actually to do it. I, I literally talked to like over 100 physicians mm. across practice areas. Wow. So dermatologists, OBGYNs, endocrinologists, functional medicine doctors, nutritionists, wow. et cetera, and, and took all of those different areas of expertise mm. into creating what we have today.
0: What do you think is the main obstacle or reason why people maybe prefer even just, like, accepting a conventional route instead of doing the deep research and actually recognizing what the root issue is? Because I'm sure, you know, you've come across some of that yourself in the studies and your research.
1: Yeah, I think most of it's education. They don't know what the options are. Right. Like, you know, you you are, you are go into the OB's office and you've been getting, like, terrible period pains, for example, and then they just put you on the pill, say that that'll help, and you're like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. And you're not educated that, like, okay, this is actually – like. Like, These are the impacts on your hormones. It's not actually changing anything. it's yeah. just covering up what's going on right right And so if when people finally understand that you're they're like, oh my goodness, like I might have made a different decision. I might have made the same decision, mm-hmm. but I think what we what I personally am on a mission to do is make sure that women are armed with the right information about their personal body and situation to make the best decisions for mm-hmm. them.
0: I've read, I believe is an article on your website that, you know, you basically before you took the holistic approach and all the research that you had done, you were on various medications, right, for, you know, can can you kind of dive into that yourself and kind of what your thoughts are reflecting on that now? Because when I read that, I was like, ooh, that hits home for me because I've seen my mom on various medications as well. One being, I think, for like thyroid, um, you know, elements, and I, I just was always like, are, is is that the real solution? Like, like I, looked, I, I would look at these pill bottles. I'm like, I don't know if that, to me, makes sense. And I don't know if that's actually uh, sustainable. You know, when I was, like, looking at that, and I would talk to my dad about that. Like, do you think this is the right approach, you know? Um, and I'm curious, in your reflection, do you think that actually did any damage to you at all? Like, with taking so much medication that actually ended up not necessarily resolving what you really needed to resolve? I
1: think... A lot – look, there are obviously – I don't want to scare anyone. There are, right. like, safety standards in, in, totally. in our country, which are great. Um, but we don't always know the long-term ramifications yeah. of of these things. And, look, I – The research shows like your body has like an amazing ability to heal itself. Yes, you just need to sort of know what those things are to Mm do, and and um, it's not always just googling like the best thing to eat for (laughs) yada yada because that's there's so many confounding factors. So Mm -hmm. that's why I think it's really about like getting some more information on yourself and like you know through our tests and through other you know avenues. Um, so you can be like, okay, what is going on in my body, and so what are the changes that I Can make that are going to be most impactful, and then the other biggest thing that I've learned through this journey with Veracity and and um and health myself is how many chemicals we're exposed to that are also like messing up our you know otherwise well like well intentioned wellness journeys. Mm -hmm. Like you're actually exposed to eighty five thousand different like hormone Mm -hmm. disruptors every single day, um and so trying to find ways to cut those out, I think. All, enables your body to be stronger and sort of, um, you know, counteract against some of those things as well.
0: And you mentioned diet there as well, because I think I did read that you had changed your diet along with um, some other things to resolve your infertility issues. Mm-hmm. Can you share what was the game changer, you know, maybe besides, um, you know, removing gluten, for example, like what were some things that you noticed immediately or at least within three to six months made a difference in your your energy, your your like maybe like less bloating, like just things like that, that maybe other people like other women can implement in their life today and maybe see that same similar change?
1: Yeah, well, gluten for me actually really did help like relieve okay. like sort of bloating issues. But I think the other thing uh, that I feel really passionate about is a lot of most medical studies are done on men because mm-hmm. they don't actually have to mm-hmm. adjust for women and where they are in their cycles really? and so it's done on like men and postmenopausal women and so we don't so we don't get the same information like about ourselves knowing that our bodies are different mm-hmm. so for example um, intermittent fasting is like a huge trend right mm-hmm. and like there is some really compelling data when you look at it and it shows like the long-term benefits of of weight loss and mm-hmm. energy gain and all this stuff but again and those were done on men and postmenopausal women and i think i was um i considered myself um you know super super healthy i ate mm-hmm. i was a runner i am a runner i like ate really really well but yeah. i realized i wasn't fueling my body for um for what my body needed with like my cycle and yeah. um and a lot of that was you know I, I was eating plenty, but it's like thinking about like you actually need different types of fuel mm-hmm. as a you know menstruating woman, especially right. one who's trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Um. And I again, I didn't, I, I didn't have that information until it like felt like it was like too late. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, over time, as I've been able to like make some of those changes, you know, your body can can recover and and be like, okay, now I I know how to do this again. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So the your the the impact of changing your diet as well as like recognizing you know the the reality of hormonal imbalance and and just your personal experience with your skin you started veracity right Mm -hmm. can you share what the business specifically does like what are the products and how like what is like the process to because i see it's it's personalized right and Mm -hmm. so it's um you know it's specific it's not just something you you go buy and you know it's it's you're done, right? So can you share that with the listeners uh, who are curious?
1: Yeah. So we are a whole health approach to skincare focused on the root cause of skin problems and skin health, which is hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, more than 83% of your skin's condition is caused by hormones. Um, the other factors are usually like age and you know sun exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with uh, Veracity, we want it to uh, give women the right information So they were getting the right plan, both topically and from a whole health. Mm -hmm. So thinking diet, supplements, um, exercise, sleep, et cetera. So they're making truly the best decisions for them and not just like based on the coolest packaging or what some influencer posted about. Mm -hmm. So we uh, pioneered our um, skin and health test, which is an at-home spit test. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just a, you spit in a tube and you mail it back and you get your actual hormone readings on Mm -hmm. estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, uh, DHEA, um, and testosterone. And And your pH as well. And like I said, then you get a personalized plan for here's your skincare routine that's actually optimized for your hormones, Mm -hmm. uh, diet recommendations. And I always like to say it's like positive things, right? Like things you can add and do and not just like, oh, don't, don't eat dairy or right, never right, have right. a glass of, of wine or whatever. Right, right. Um, and so you get this like true actionable plan both mm-hmm. topically and, you know, from a whole health perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's us in a nutshell. And and the other thing I like to say is, you know, to, on the point of hormone disruptors, we have worked with our medical team and a PhD in hormonal health to make sure that our products truly are um Hormone safe or what we call endocrine disruptor free, so yeah. free of anything that can mess with your hormones, mm-hmm. um, and even from the formulas through the packaging. So all of our packaging is glass, so that it is not like seeping into your formula and then you know being put on your face day, mm-hmm. morning, noon, and night. So
0: right, <laughs> can you share how the personalization process works? Because okay, so so they you, they send it back uh, through mail, and then after the analysis. Um, is it like product recommendations or is it like, how, how does that process work?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you get, when your results are ready, you get an email to log into your account and okay. you get to see your actual levels. Like, here's my estrogen. It is a six and mm. here's what a normal range is. I'm at like, you know, the low end of normal. I'm mm-hmm. in right in the middle, wh- wherever you end up being. Then we talk to you about like, okay, this is what estrogen does for skin. Mm-hmm. And this is then what the impact is on your skin, right? So for example, like, I had low estrogen. Okay. And estrogen is is your body's ability to produce collagen and create that like oh, plump, juicy skin that we all want. Okay. And so then you would be recommended products and be educated on the ingredients behind those mm. that are going to help address those specific issues.
0: So, cause you have experience in direct to consumer and just like growing that side. Would you say you have interest in putting this uh, pro- these products in stores, or are you primarily focusing on being direct-to-consumer, and how do you kind of foresee the way you grow the business over the next few years?
1: Yeah, um, I am a big believer in multi-channel businesses. That's what we were doing with Cynthia Raleigh, too, yeah. while we were Building direct to consumer, we always had a multi channel business. We actually just launched today in um, Naomi Watts's um, clean beauty retail uh, mm-hmm. concept called Onda Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, so really excited about that. They have like amazing. Um, high standards for clean beauty products that mm-hmm. actually work. And so we're just really happy to have that validation. Um, so, you know, we are focused primarily right now on our own e-commerce. Um, but as we grow, um, you know, I am definitely wanting to work with the right partners who will help us, you know, meet our customers and, and, um, and yeah. grow the
0: brand. For women listening right now, what would you say if there's one thing that they can do to improve their health holistically from your experience and your research and understanding? Um, what would you say that could like that could be like is it you know maybe walking more or like just being active more or like eating certain types of foods? Like what would you say? If tomorrow was your last day, would you feel as though you have maximized your potential? How would you describe your perfect day with no limitations? How can you work towards achieving something as close to this? If not, exactly that. And what is your dream life? Where is it? Who's there with you? And what does your Saturday look like versus a Monday? These are some of my favorite questions from the What Fulfills You card game. And I created this card game with the intention to help you on your journey of personal growth. As actually all of these questions in this card game are questions that helped me in my own personal growth journey in my 20s, but even more than that, these questions help cultivate more purposeful and meaningful conversations, whether it's with your colleagues, your close friends, or a date night. I love to play this on a night in with a few glasses of wine. Or, now that it is spring and summer season, I think it's just so fun to bring this with you when you're hanging out at the park, especially for my fellow New Yorkers who like to hang out in Central Park, have a cheese board, and just have some deep conversations. You can shop the card game online at whatfulfillsyou.com and since you are a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy!
1: Uh, probably number one for most people is sleep. Uh, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) it's, um, it's so interesting looking at the data now of our Mm -hmm. customers and, and, and really being able to use that to learn and help get even better at what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. So every, like, I think it's like, 85% of people that take our tests or probably more now uh, say that they're like overly stressed right because like we've been through a lot of stressful (laughs) events I mean life is stressful enough plus Mm -hmm. like a pandemic and you know uh, just everything else that just weighs heavy Mm -hmm. on us and you would think that um Uh, Like, so many people come to us and they're like, oh, my cortisol is off the charts. Mm -hmm. And they take our tests. And actually, we have more women uh, who have low cortisol. And that's, like, a result of your body constantly being overstimulated. And then eventually, Mm -hmm. like, it's almost like the boy who cried wolf. Mm -hmm. It's overstimulated. And then eventually, it can't actually even produce enough cortisol because it's been so... Um, sort of yeah. faked out by yeah. that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think it's just really important to know where you actually um, stand within this, not just like sort of self-diagnosing mm. based on your your life. But right. but sleep is so powerful because that's when your body can restore itself. So mm-hmm. it's not always even about like more hours if you can. I mean, like mm-hmm. I have two little, I have a four-month-old. <laughs> um, and so, but it's about um, like quality of sleep. And so it's right. a one one thing that would probably be the, the most yeah. <laughs> important.
0: Did you get enough sleep when you were like really, really hyper focused in your career in those years?
1: Oh no. I was like <laughs> I'm like the I'm like a hypocrite. I mean, I was right, like right. training myself to be like, Can I go out for four hours? Um oh my goodness. No, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. no. Now like I um I think my team makes fun of me because I'm like in my ideal world I'm like in bed by 9 p.m. Yeah, Uh my
0: goodness, that would be great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, but now no, I I I try I try I prioritize sleep in a different way. I'm not always great at it. Yeah, but I think if you keep it top of mind, you'll you're more likely to do a better job.
0: Looking back, would you say, just because I'm sure too, even in the in investment banking and the finance world, I think, um, you know, you're working long hours, right? And just in general, when you're, when you're working in business operations, it takes up a lot of time. But would you, would you say that that's part of what it takes in terms of sacrifice to get to where you want to be in your career? Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. I, I wonder, I'm always curious, especially from, you know, someone coming in from like the finance world and haven't had experience in that.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely not of that mindset where I think there used to be this culture mm-hmm. of I had to do that when I was your age. Now okay. everyone has to, you know, work till 4 a.m. and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. I think as a society and a business, like we should try to figure out ways of like working smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't want to you know I think you have um, a younger audience like with people coming out of college and yeah. such and starting their career and I think I should you should be honest like you got to be prepared to work hard right and working hard sometimes mean making sacrifices to learn and mm-hmm. really teach yourself to m- build relationships to you know to really explore um so I think that there is no um you know to do cool things Is hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we do have to like somewhat accept that as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that I do want to talk about like balance because I read an article where you mentioned that you don't believe in balance per se, (laughs) which I personally agree. Um, But can you elaborate on why that is and how people can actually resolve that issue in their life? You know, I think I hear a lot of people. Um, especially in my generation going, you know, we need more work-life balance. And I've always kind of believed against my mindset, but that if you find a way to merge work and life more to like your personal life more together, instead of separating it where it's it's kind of jarring going from one side to the other. um, I think that's where life becomes a little bit more enjoyable and more fulfilling. Um, That's just my opinion. So I don't think that's why there's like this little balance. It's more of like, one mm-hmm. as a whole and, and you kind of just enjoy it all together but what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i think if you were saying my goal is to lead a balanced life like what does that actually mean right mm-hmm. like i think that's the hard thing like balance sounds really good but then mm-hmm. like how does that break down to like the actions that you take on a daily basis mm-hmm. right so i i i've you know like look i've um uh, I still think about this and emerge on the stuff and I don't have all the answers. But for me, it's about figuring out like what your personal principles are. And that doesn't mean like right and wrong. It's just thinking about like, what are your, you know, personal priorities? Mm. And um, you could have multiple multiple priorities, but sometimes you have to give those priorities mm. more attention than others. Yeah. So it's just about like actively um making those decisions. I, I heard this amazing analogy that um, you may have heard before, too. But it's like, you know, you're juggling all these balls, right? Mm-hmm. And it's your job to know which balls are rubber and which balls are glass. So what that means is, mm-hmm. like, which balls that you can drop for a little while and they'll bounce back up eventually. Uh, and which balls are glass, meaning if you drop them, like, it, that is your ultimate priority because you can't get that back. Mm-hmm. And so, like, with my own life now, um, of course, I see still go to work every day, but like my glass balls are like my kids. Right. And so, you know, um, I just think, spending time to to reflect and, and uh, you know, I have a reflection practice now where, you know, I try to do it at least once a week where I really, like, sit down and think about, like, um, my week and, and what comes to, to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, having that sort of self-reflection is is just huge in making sure that you're never going to be able to achieve all the things, if, for ambitious people, mm-hmm. right? You're never yep. going to be able to achieve all the things you want to do in a week. Yeah. Um. So if you just, um, if you can make sure you don't drop the most important At least on that week or Mm -hmm. month or whatever, then you're just going to be much happier.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you seem to be. I would say probably type A, similar to me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've seen that. (laughs) Um, You know what? What are some pieces of advice you have for those who um, you know would like some just general advice on approaching their career, approaching on you know, knowing what they want, like figuring out their life and, and and not just like the vague figuring out your life, but like maybe like some of the questions you wish you asked yourself when you were 23, 24 years old, a couple years out of college and and like working your way through corporate. Um, but what would what, what do you think would be some good reflective questions for those in that stage?
1: Yeah, I think part of it is understanding um, sort of the more personal side of your work career, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's just about, um, well, I think a lot of times it's about who you work with, right? Right. So, like, thinking through, like... What kind of leaders have you been inspired by, and who mm. do you want to surround yourself with? Because mm. it's totally okay to like not know exactly where you want to go. But I think if you put yourself in a right situation, even if it's not where you want to be forever, you'll be around people that help you learn and grow in some way, and, and at least mm-hmm. you get you on further along that path, even if you don't know where it's going.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So I, I'd say that um first and foremost, and then. Don't be afraid. Like, it's okay to not have it figured out. Like, I would say talk to Mm. as many people as you can. Um, Don't be afraid to say, hey, I'd just love to, like, learn more about what you do. Because that's the scary thing as, like, a young person starting out your career. Mm. You're like, this job either sounds great or it sounds horrible, but I actually have no idea of knowing what it actually entails. Right, Um, right. And that was one good thing for me about going to business school. I was Mm -hmm. just, like, unabashedly like, hey, can I speak to you? Like, Mm -hmm. about. (laughs) Love that. Love that.
0: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people get scared to take initiative until they hear someone say, like, that's literally what I did in yeah. order to, you know, understand what I want and get to where I am, you know? I think it's yeah. having, taking that initiative. Were you ever scared to take initiative? But like, was there ever a point you look back, you're like, oh, I knew I was a little more timid then, but then I finally got out of my shell or were you always like that? Oh, no, I was, I'm definitely like, <laughs> I, I've cons- i I've come off
1: sometimes as an extrovert, but I'm like definitely like more of an introvert. Yeah. Um. But I think it's, you know, you just have to put yourself out there because mm-hmm. it's like, that's the only way you're gonna get things in return. And yeah. um, you can start small and- and figure out ways that you feel comfortable mm-hmm. um, but it's also about being prepared right if you uh, I know like you know especially in business school I got the opportunity to connect with people who I was like you know almost like fangirling mm-hmm. out over. I'm like oh my god your job is so cool yeah and so it's a little nerve-wracking but mm-hmm. I think you can um You can do your research and and you still might come off as a little silly because you (laughs) you like or feel feel like you're silly. Um, But if you're like reading up on the industry and things you're interested in, you're Mm -hmm. really like there are no dumb questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just, um, you know, just putting yourself out there is a way you're going to like learn and grow.
0: Yeah. And I would say, too, you know, that's like the best way to, quote unquote, network nowadays. Right. I think like, you know, similar to you, I feel like there's been many times where I just was lucky to be in the right place at the right time uh, to get certain opportunities. And you put yourself there, though, with hard work, like you said, right, you know, with yeah. your opportunity becoming CEO, you know, it's like it's you, you have to have the skill sets to to be in that role, like to take on that opportunity. Because if you're not, um, you know, if you're not like there yet, I think energetically, I think that can also block you in a way from being able to get that opportunity presented. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what about advice that you got that got you through your early 20s, but maybe more on the personal life side? Because, you know, I think a question a lot of women might be asking is, okay, you had a great career trajectory even though it's, you know, not linear and, you know, you had to figure your way uh, out through that, but how did you make time for friends, a social life, and and especially like a romantic relationship?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> it seems like a blur. Um, I uh, Well, like to go back to that article that I wrote that I think you were referencing, um, I... I think what I've learned over the years is try to like tune into yourself and what gives you joy. Mm. And by joy, I like to say it's like, just what gives you that like childlike happiness where you're not like tempted to check your phone maybe is like yes. a good way yes, of being. Yes. And just like, just be like aware of those moments because we we get them mm-hmm. and just try to create more of those, those moments. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I found like with my friends when I was able to, even no matter how tired I was on like after a hard week, like getting together with them like revived me and we weren't mm-hmm. always like doing the coolest like New York things. Sometimes yeah. we were like, Sitting in someone's apartment, eating snacks and yeah. drinking wine or whatever. Right. Um. But that is what like recharged me and allowed me to like enjoy everything else.
0: Yeah. What about um like dating? Like in you know in your twenties? Like was that difficult to? Because I'm sure too. You know, similarly, I put a lot of focus in my career, and I think at some point it's like you have to open up that part for yourself you know to be like open to allowing that energy into your life um did you have to kind of overcome that at any point like like allowing yourself to not be so hyper focused on career and having you know another part of your life open up yeah I feel really lucky
1: I met my husband um the end of my senior year in college um but well, obviously it wasn't my husband at that time um But I went through different journeys. I had dated a guy previously in college that I I thought I was going to marry. Wow. Um, and then I did my summer internship in New York. And I was like, I want to move to New York. Wow. He didn't want to move to New York, you know, some other things. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm choosing choosing New York. And yeah. um, and then was lucky enough to meet Jim, my husband. Um, but it's um, – so I don't really have any great dating advice other, <laughs> other than I would say um, – I, going through a hard end to a relationship, then gave me the confidence to say, like, this is the person I wanna be. And mm-hmm. so then when I did meet my husband, he kind of knew, he, he always knew. And he, um, he has supported me in such like incredible ways, even like, I have to be completely honest. Like I would not be able to do what I'm doing today without him because I have two young kids and I don't make the salary that I, I barely pay myself as a startup founder, you know? Um, and I, um, because I have that support, I was able to like take that risk. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm just so grateful that I was able to, um, to find him. But then but I think it's because I also presented the self that was I wasn't going to change. And yes. and that's who he fell in love with. And that's why it has worked Oof. out.
0: <laughs> I love that, because especially where you share right there that, you know, you were like, well, I want to go to New York, you know, and, and you didn't allow yourself. And now, again, I'm sure it's, it's not easy for everyone. But, you know, I think that's that's usually one of the obstacles um, a lot of people go through, especially women in their 20s, I would say, and maybe even a little bit older, too, just like you, you get stuck in that emotional decision because yeah. like you realize like pragmatically you you you've always wanted New York or you've always wanted LA or wherever that is right yeah but emotionally in that micro moment you're like oh you know frick like I I like I really love this guy you know feels
1: like you're giving up a lot but right yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, but you chose so when you look at that decision you were thinking. Like were you were you able to pull yourself out emotionally and and recognize like well logically this is this is what I've what I want for myself in the future and like make your decision more on that instead of like the potential what the relationship could be. I
1: uh, I would like to say that I could I just think I felt so strongly okay. that um, I, I think it just felt it felt like. I was alive yeah. when I came to New York, I and I was like, New "Yeah, the New Yorker." Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, you know what? I I just have a feeling that that's it. it. And so yeah. I think you just you have to trust yourself sometimes that not yeah. everything is logical. You're not going to have if you wrote out pros and cons, <laughs> like it may not actually wor- like make sense. But yeah. there are times when you just gotta go with your gut.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Do you have a book recommendation that was transformative for your life at any point, and you think would help be helpful for? other women
1: oh goodness that is a hard one uh <laughs> you
0: can name three if that's easier as well i don't know if yeah. there's a like one specific book or maybe a couple that just stand out to you
1: well i um i both like uh I like like nerdy literature
0: sometimes. Oh, me too. Yeah. I, mean, I like literature as well. Yeah. yeah like, especially so, Russian like, literature. I'm like a
1: huge like um, John Steinbeck uh, okay. fan, um, which is very, very nerdy. Um, I also, because um, I think it for me, I'm so in the work mode that it's mm-hmm. really nice to sort of get out of that. Totally. Um, sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I also have really liked, um, you know an old school one is like the seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. is actually really good to think, you know he talks a yeah. lot about like personal principles. Um and then another one I like is um thinking fast
0: and slow. okay. Um, Some people, yeah, a lot of people have mentioned that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. those are good. Uh, would you say those were transformative for just like your your overall life or more primarily in your career?
1: Um, well, to your point, I I feel like – I don't think they're so separate, right? And the right. decisions and priorities that you make with yeah, your career yeah. should align with your life. So yeah. both. both. Okay. I, and I think they've, <laughs> they've helped me, like, almost think about, like, you know, you have problems at work that are related to people and problems at home that are related mm-hmm. to people. And you can use some of the same tools, um, you know, uh, right. to solve those issues. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I agree that they – they are the same, so or you try. You should try to like merge them into one. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna ask you a few questions from the card game, which um, I forgot oh. to bring your goodie bag as well. I do have one for you, so I'll have to mail it to you. Okay, but um, the card game. It's part of the Waffle Feels You merch line, and this is a card game where it's very versatile. You can play it with, like, your partner. You can play with friends for wine night. Um, you know, you can play with colleagues, actually, like to build a you know, the culture in your workplace or as self-reflective questions, like for journaling. So it's a very um, personal growth-focused deck of cards, but also great for conversation starters. Fun. Um, so I want to ask you a few from these. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay, this is a good one. Do you believe in right person, wrong time, or that there is no such thing as wrong time, because if it's the right person, it will inevitably work out?
1: I think more the latter. Um, At least I would hope. Uh, (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) You know, and, and that probably comes from, um, I, you know, I just know my husband's the right person for me. So I, and we met actually when we were both dating other people. So okay. it eventually worked out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you believe everything happens for a reason or that it's like, you know, maybe more 50-50, that it's it's 50% timing um, and 50% the direct action of our decisions?
1: Yeah. I've thought a lot about this because I've seen a lot, the older I get, the more, not to be like depressing about <laughs> it, but like the older I get, like the more like things that you like pinch yourself moments, not in a good way that you experience yeah. um, that, you know, you're just like, wow, I never thought, I mean, my, my sister lost a child. Like, and you're like, I never thought I would like live through that and yeah. see that. Um. So it's hard to be like, oh, everything happens for a reason, but, and like, you know, going through the infertility journey that I yeah. went through, I like brushed over that, but like there were some really scary very dark moments where I was like, I, I want, I feel like being a mom is my destiny, but I don't know that I'm going to get that. And mm. so, um, and that like leads to some other dark things. So I, I don't know that everything happens for a reason, but I do know that hard things happen so that you can grow. And yeah. um, so, you know, whether that's the reason or not, um, yeah. you know, that's, you can get some, like, you can flourish
0: because of them. Right, right. If you could tell your younger self from 10 years ago, a piece of advice, what would it be? Oh,
1: goodness. Um, I think... Maybe being patient uh, is a good one. Uh, I think we all, especially as you know, type A people, you have you can you can. It's like almost on the tip of your tongue. You can always like see where you might be, and sometimes right. it's very frustrating to be like, "Well, why am I here now? And why am I the one like doing all the grunt work or whatever?" Um, but I think you have to like sort of uh, you have to put yourself in positions where you're enjoying the process yeah. as well.
0: Yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. I I could use that. <laughs> Yeah. you know, being type A as well. It's, um, sometimes I, I'm a little impatient and I'm like, oh, oh you I'm... know, I, w- I want to see the result now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, okay. Well, last question. And it's something I ask every guest on the show, but, you know, we talk a lot about your successful career trajectory and, you know, what you're building now and your personal experience with your story behind Veracity. Um. But in reflection, what would you say really fulfills you in life?
1: Um, I would say, I mean, it's, it's gotta be my family. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm so lucky now to have two like little uh, beings that like, it's just, (laughs) it's so fun, like the, to see like humans become humans and, um, to have a great partner along, um, the ride. And, you know, we've had a lot of each other over the past, you know, pandemic and everything else, but I feel really lucky to, to have that.
0: That's amazing, and I say this all the time on the show, but I really do believe, you know, everyone always answers something related to people. You know, how it, whether it's your relationships or even something at work, it's always like something dealing with people. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the more especially the younger generation realizes like that's that's what makes life profound i think right that's (laughs) the secret right it's about the people yeah totally well thank you so much for joining me today um where can everyone find you your brand your business everything and so they can follow along the journey
1: yeah uh you can follow us on instagram at veracity self-care um and at uh um Yeah. So check us
0: out. Please. Amazing. I will link that in the show notes and I'm excited for, you know, to see your business grow and really impact the industry.
1: Cool. And I'm excited for you to try our products. I too. can't wait. I yeah. know it's over there.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was all for today's episode with Ali Egan. As always, I hope you found something valuable from this conversation. And like I said in the beginning, I genuinely love their products. And (laughs) I immediately switched over from my other products to this one. And at first, I was just going to do like a test trial. But honestly, felt the difference immediately. And just for reference, my skin is... A little bit acne prone, not as bad as it used to be, thank goodness. But um, I think in the recent years, a little bit on the dry side, even though I always felt like my skin was oily, especially with my ethnic background, I just think that is kind of a thing. Nonetheless, just wanted to give that as kind of context in case you're curious. But as you heard on this episode, it is all personalized based on your needs And the best part is that Ali did provide a code. This is not sponsored, just a nice little code for you guys if you're listening. If you want to check out the products, you can also get 20% off with the code FULFILL20 at checkout. Again, the code is in the show notes, but as a reminder, the code is FULFILL20, F-U-L-F-I-L-L to zero and as always if you loved the episode please be sure to share it with a friend share it on your instagram story and tag the podcast instagram at what fulfills you and or my personal one at emily E Duong. that is all for today's episode i will chat with you guys in the next one